0: <laughs> it's controversial.
1: Having that guy around is the best thing that ever happened to the school. If you have the
0: right mix of autism and steroids. All these pundits and whatnot, a lot of people doubting me, you know. I don't want to fucking have a conversation while I'm sharing, you know, like. The hobby I do is already so gay.
2: You are now listening to the El Segundo Podcast with Craig Jones.
0: We're here episode, it could be 19, maybe 20. We're here with martial arts expert, fashion designer, gay activist, and OnlyFans male porn star, Kid Dale. I think you missed a few things, <laughs> but thank you for having me on. It's good to see you. I haven't seen you since,
2: when did I see you last? L.A. sometime, hey? I think uh, when you came to L.A., we trained oh man, that was like a over a year ago for sure. Yeah, time fucking flies but by. Before your transition, I think it was.
0: Before before yeah. I transitioned and transitioned back, actually, yeah. It doesn't all come back though. Did you? You got it back? For you. Oh, fuck man. You didn't like it last time. I could go through ten of those
2: processes and I'm not gonna lose anything.
0: <laughs> we um yeah, we so we have a long dating history. We I think I first met you, actually, this is a funny story, right? I first met you at a tournament in Adelaide, South Australia, when I still lived in Adelaide. I remember the first time I laid eyes on you, there was only one toilet at this event, and I've gone into the toilet. I've taken a filthy, nervous pre-competition turd. I opened the door, and you had to go in there next, and I thought, I remember to myself, that's the first victory I've had over
2: this man. Well, honestly... I really enjoyed it, so I don't know if you're gonna call it a victor. It's one of my one of my pastime hobbies. I do like it's so funny, I don't remember that. I think I suppressed that memory. I, I do remember the first time I saw you though, because I was I was a couple belts ahead, I think I was, and you were a couple weight divisions below in the female division. And I saw you do like and people were talking about you a lot, and honestly I didn't I didn't like it because i wanted to be talked about a lot and uh but i used to hear hear your name pop up a lot and i saw you at a couple of competitions and i remember seeing you were quite your legs were quite limber you didn't have much hair on your legs back then not like you do now it was smooth. Very smooth um and you know you were doing you were doing quite well you were really rubbery rubbery yeah yeah
0: you know what's funny is you talk about not liking the next generation you didn't actively suppress me but for me personally whenever i see a good up and come i think hey Let's take this guy out. Let's give him some cocaine. Let's see if we can sabotage his career. Hold him back a bit. Give me a couple years more in the game. Bro,
2: if I could turn back time, I would have done that. (laughs) If I had known what you were going to become back then, there was a lot of things I would have done different. I probably wouldn't be free today. Put it that way. I'd be locked up somewhere.
0: You you would have just helped me actually back then, giving me
2: cocaine, I think. Look, I mean, I hate you for a lot of reasons. (laughs) One... That's why we're in the therapy chairs. I used to be one of Australia's best grapplers. I think at one point I was Australia's best grappler. And then this little fuck come along and ruined everything for me. Uh, <laughs> I, I remember the moment that happened when you beat Leandro Lowe and I was, I was happy I was celebrating, but a part of me was crying inside. Yeah, tears of uh, real tears. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, oh, you're so happy. <laughs> People thought I was happy. I was fucking, I was devastated. You were I was thinking, this is so good, but this is fucking me, big time. <laughs> <laughs> I, nice. I, I, I was, I think you you're were a big reason I came back into jiu jitsu, to be honest with you, because I took, I think it was 2014, I got burnt out. It was my first year of black belt and. Up until then, I was really like, I was really interested in jiu-jitsu and competing as well. And then I, I did a, about a year at Black belt, and I kind of just got bored. and then i I went back to play Australian rules football with my brother, and I hurt my knee, and I had to get a knee reconstruction and stuff. and and I, I did that, and I got more into acting back then. and I, I didn't have money to fix my knee. I remember that, so I did I got a role in acting which paid like fifty thousand dollars. so I got my knee fixed because I wasn't on health insurance. And then I came back to You said that Lachlan. was stuff on the body,
0: that acting gig, right? What's that? You said that was quite a physically oh. demanding
2: role. Yeah, there was a lot of fight scenes. And I hadn't – my ACL was still uh, broken at the time when I did it. And I didn't tell them. They said, like, you know, have you got any injuries? I'm like, no, I'm good. And then I had to do a lot of shit. My knees would pop in and out. It was it was pretty scary. I had to run with these, like, gum boots on. Um, but I got the knee fixed and I came back. And this is when you were at Lachlan's at this time. And – then I trained with you, and I was like, "Fuck, okay, holy shit, this kid's good." And um I don't remember. I think at the state at that time, I was still. I think I think I was still a bit better than you at that stage, but I was like, "Damn, he's really good." And Lachlan improved a lot, and that was the only reason I came back, honestly, because I was like, "I can't let this little fucker beat me. I got to come <laughs> back, I got to get better." And and uh, so you were like, you were honestly the main reason that I actually came back into jiu-jitsu which was one of the worst decisions of my life. I should have just stuck to what I was doing at the time, but uh, yeah, I was. I remember that. That was horrible. Yeah, jujitsu
0: does ruin people's lives. People. I mean, here is the thing: if you have not much going on in your life, jujitsu will help it. But if you have a great career, great prospects in other areas, jujitsu will totally fuck that up for you. Jiu-Jitsu ruined everything for me,
2: bro. <laughs> I could have been something
0: special right now. I <laughs> put it into jujitsu. That, yeah, that was back then. Actually, you helped make jujitsu a bit cooler back then because I think like everyone was so fucking serious and just weird. And like a lot of the times coming up as a gringo, a lot of the Brazilians wouldn't, I don't think they would, uh, it's not that they'd hate you, but it would be like fighting Muay Thai in Thailand. It's like, it's their thing. Yeah, You know what I mean? So it's like, especially if you did good, they wouldn't like you. But what I liked about you, you would take the piss out of the whole sport, which the sport is pretty fucking silly.
2: Yeah, yeah it's a bit ridiculous. I think, like, yeah, I think because I came from more of a football background and my, my cousins are really funny. And they, we just, anytime I went to a, any kind of function, they were just making fun of me. Like, when I started going bald when I was about 21, and my cousin would see me and he'd be like, hey, sinners, what's going on? I'd be like, <laughs> fuck. I'm just like, I just got so used to that. It was always fun. And when I got into jiu jitsu, I, you know, I just naturally wanted to have that same, that same banter, but a lot of people took it so seriously. And I definitely got a lot of hate. I mean, and you're right. Like, when I went to Brazil for the first time when I was a purple belt, and i was competing at the brazilian nationals yeah pebble but i beat Tinoco in the final for that one it was really cool event but man i remember training with Gord- gordos crew i forgot oh, the called. half guard guy right yeah yeah and one guy this purple belt like he, like because i was beating him and i think they just got so mad because there's an australian guy beating them he picked me up and ran me into a concrete wall like boom like that god i yelled at him and stuff but i was like fuck man they don't like they don't really like us right now not all of them there was some there was a lot of uh brazilians that were really cool uh, that's them knocking on the door now like, that's up there <laughs> you still, down there it's still like i remember upset. you man <laughs> but uh yeah i think it was cool because when we used to train, and that's why I liked you a lot, because when we train, we would always try and, you know, I think we both had our cameras out for most of the time we're training and just trying to record it we were yeah. doing yeah. something
0: dumb. Do something <laughs> fucking, yeah, attack each other, make a joke out of it. You did that funny video where I swear you did a rolling breakdown of us, but I, you talked shit for 10 minutes. So I don't even think you took a breath. I didn't. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was on oxygen treatment after that. That's actually a okay. skill you learned in acting, right? Uh, yes, <laughs> I don't think I was acting, though. I remember you told me actually you wanted to get into acting because you went to a lot of auditions and you realized yeah. what went on there, and you said, You know what? I might become a
2: producer. Well, I was actually hoping the opposite, I was, <laughs> I was hoping I would come in a producer. <laughs> I, <laughs> That's the
0: ultimate power shift, eh? But we, yeah, we tra- So, you had a gym in Melbourne that. Got taken over by Lachlan. I think just about, I visited it when you were still owned it, and then I moved there when Lachlan took it over. And I think I was in Melbourne for from 2015 to about 2018. But you came back to training probably what 2016, 2017.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think like the, the gym was doing really well, and then you showed up, and then it <laughs> it just dropped. And so I had to get rid of it. Now I think the, the owners that I was working with they uh, they invested a lot of money in it. And the area we were in was it was just not going to really work. It was we we actually tried to buy a bigger gym, and like the week before we had it, someone come in and uh, gave them a cash offer for something else. That was so me actually. That yeah. was a <laughs> fucking rat. And uh, and then we ended up getting a smaller place, and we just we just couldn't get enough numbers in there to make the the money back. So the investors were getting uh, upset. So they came to me and they said, "Look, Kit, do you want the gym? Or we'll just give it to you, and I would have to take over it." And uh, at the time, I was. Not really interested, and I, I kind of got a little bit burnt out, and I wanted to, to go more into acting and stuff like that. So we gave it pretty much just handed it across to Auckland for one dollar. For one dollar, and he teamed up with Simon from uh, Absolute MMA and and took over. And then an, I, I was traveling for for a little bit. I think I was filming for a little bit. And yeah, 2016, I came back, and that's when you were there. And uh, it's hard running a gym
0: though. Like uh, like what we love about jiu-jitsu is just showing up training with good people, having a good time getting out of there, and then you think to yourself if you have a regular job you're like, "Oh, I'll open a gym. I'll have that every day." But really, you're working 6 days a week at least. You're teaching every class. You're having to learn sales, marketing. You're having to obviously this sounds so silly, so you have to literally remember everyone's name, things about them. It's like you have to manage a community. And it fucking absorbs your life, and that, I feel like it can burn you out running a gym.
2: Man, for starters, I didn't know half my own students' names. I had to give them nicknames literally just because I didn't know what they were called. Um, and it's you, you attract so many weirdos in jiu-jitsu. Like, let's be honest, most jiu-jitsu people are weird. Ben Hodgkinson was there for six years, and you still didn't know his name. What's his name?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Did he beat you in a match? Did he? Be- yeah, actually, this is a this is a funny story, right? This is a funny story. So. Me and Ben were kind of like frenemies, right? So we, I think I we think actually. We frenemies with everybody, Ben, even we, his own coach. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. But we were at a, we it was more of like a rivalry because we were both sort of after the same goals and he was a really good up-and-coming purple belt. And I think I beat him with a footlock when I had no business beating him. And then we had a rematch at Abu Dhabi World Pro, but World Pro were given out two tickets. And in the gi, I had won the first ticket and Lachlan Giles maybe go into the second tournament, and he's like, "I want you to go in there and help Ben win a ticket to clear out the divisions." Which I don't think I really was needed because I think he, like he was going to win it anyway. Mm-hmm. But I remember what happened was I say to Ben, "I'm like, all right, we're going to have a scam match. I'm going to shoot. You just hit me with some sort of front head attack." So I shoot, he submits me, I tap, um, and then he
2: wins the ticket. And then the
0: next day, it became his profile picture.
2: (laughs) 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 You know, that's so funny because he's fucked you there. But remember, he fucked me because remember me and you had a match at his time. So we
0: (laughs) we, we, had another fake match. Yeah, we had a match
2: and we needed money. Okay, they were going to pay money, but we didn't want to compete against each each other. other. So we, we made a deal that we were just... Just scramble and just train. like go hard, but try and finish the points even. And we did this. We finished the points even. And then fucking Ben went and raised your hand to win the match. I actually gave him $500 for that. You suck at shit. I, fucking, <laughs> yeah. I was get so- I I today, like, my brother, my own brother just got into jiu-jitsu. And he's like, hey, man, Chris and Craig beat you back in the day. I'm like, yeah, let me talk to you right now, bro. Just shut your fucking <laughs> – look, I mean, honestly, it, it, do- it doesn't bother me that much because you were beating everybody. I made it my profile picture. But uh, I, still, <laughs> I still want that deleted from my record. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's still up there, right?
0: Yeah. Uh, that can never be removed. Actually, speaking of fake matches, but not fake match, right? One of the worst times, because, you know, sometimes i do tournaments back in the day where there would be prize money, and you might just split. You might just say to your opponent, or your opponent might come to you and be like, let's fly it, but let's split the cash. Mm-hmm. So I remember DJ Jackson, wanted by the law... For, for, uh, statutory charges, DJ Jackson, right? He calls me, he comes to the tournament in Australia. First of all, I didn't know if you'd get into it to Australia because he had an open warrant, but I guess, uh, border security not doing a good job down there. He calls me and he says, Craig, I'm desperate for money. He's like, me and you, we've seen the bracket. It's going to be us in the final. It was a $20,000 prize. He's like, what we do, no matter what happens, we just give each other 10K each. And I'm like, fuck it. Can't need some money. Let's do it. So we both, win our first two matches we face off in the finals it's adc serials at the time i still barely i don't have a lot of wrestling at the time i just pull guard take a negative stalls me out but the whole time i was kind of thinking i fucking got 10k and then uh <laughs> the next day afterwards the promoter talking to dj and stuff and then DJ just just disappears. There. He calls me and he's like, "Bro, they haven't paid me yet." And then he's like, "Bro, I've already spent all the money." And I was just like, "You gotta be kidding oh, me!" Shit, so
2: you guys aren't too tight right now?
0: No, now he's hiding out in uh, he's hiding out in Batong, Tyler. But I'm gonna pay to have him assassinated. You know what I mean? Even if he puts me <laughs> down another
2: ten. Oh, uh, that sucks. I, I look me. I, I know, know, but know DJ for a long time. When I was a purple belt. Uh, he was coming up, he was called the Kamora kid, and I used to love Kamoras as well. So we kind of knew each other. We fought at the Abu Dhabi Pro final at Purple Belt and I was winning by an advantage. And we had a fucking scramble and the ref stopped at the edge of the mat, started us back in, and started him past my guard. And I'm I'm rep, 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 I'm not going go, he goes, go. So DJ just holds it and gets three points. And I'm like, you motherfucker. So, I, I scrambled up. And I tried. Like It was like 30 seconds left. I'm trying to take him down. I get nothing. And I lose the match. We compete the week after. And I win the match. And I threw him because he had my gi. And I pulled him across. I reached over. And I threw him over the top. And I got an advantage for it because he, he was just like a cat. He just straight on top. And he was trying to get to half guard on me to get the advantage. You should. I remember seeing his big-ass face, man. He's just like trying to get on, pushing him away. And we didn't get along after that at all. And I, he just was really mean to me and I didn't know why. And then like a couple of years later, he told me, he's like, look, man, I was mad because you took some of my money that I I thought I should have got at the time through winning. And he goes, and it was really annoying because you were a good guy. uh, (laughs) So, and then we became friends after that. And I actually, like, he's been really nice. So it's, it's, it's uh, sad that I hear that because my relations with, with him have actually been really good. There is one story that I've never told him. And I think I'm going to have to confess right now. When I was, when me and him were the same year, we're in Abu Dhabi and BJ Penn threw some party in somewhere there. And we're up the top and I didn't drink alcohol this time, but I didn't want to say no to BJ because I was worried he was going to knock me out or kiss me, one or the other. And he he keeps giving me shots and I'm drinking them. And I got a cup right next to me. So I'm drinking them. I'm just turning and I'm spitting them into this cup, right? This cup ends up about this full. And then I'm just sitting there, I remember I'm looking at this Iranian girl, pretty sure she was a prostitute, and uh, <laughs> I was in love, and then I just, in the, my periphery, is D- DJ grabs that drink, and, and he's like, what's this? And then I look at him, and he's drinking it, and I realize what it is, I'm like, ah, and he's already taken a mouthful, and he just goes, "Woo!" he's like, oh, yes, and I'm just like, fuck, I never told him. <laughs> That's good, I that, actually you makes, watching this.
0: <laughs> that makes me feel, he probably need to spend that $10,000 on therapy after he
2: hears. I got him back, he <laughs> drank my spit. <laughs>
0: probably not the first guy to do that eh?
2: well he was the first but there's been many since
0: (laughs) at the time yeah because the purple but you actually I remember you beat Philippe Pena right in the game. same
2: tournament same tournament I had uh, there was a guy that won the the Pan Ams that I fought first round I can't remember his name I beat him then I had Philippe Penner. Now, I didn't know who Philippe Penner was at this stage, thank God. That helps, yeah. Yeah, because I was like – and I was just thinking, why is this fucking dude not stopping? Like, I remember I was beating him by five to two, I think it was, and in my head, I'm just like, this guy just won't fucking give up. Like I just – I'm thinking like, why do you think you deserve this win? You know, <laughs> fucking just relax. Let me win. And uh, and then Edwin Nudry come up to me and he's like, bro, that guy is like legit. That's Philippe Penner. And so, I didn't know who the name was back then. I was like, oh, okay, cool. And then he went on to be Philippe Penner. Uh, and then I had DJ the next round, and I beat him, and then I had this guy from UAE that was nowhere near as good as anyone on my side of the brackets, and I, I don't know how, like, I, he must have been set up on the other side to just go through uh, on an easy run, because I had me, Philippe Pena, DJ Jackson, the other guy that won Pan Ams the year before, all on one side, and then we have a guy from the UAE on the other side, and it was like the easiest win of the finals ever. Like, I just literally just passed his guard a few times. Well,
0: you to be careful winning in the UAE? They might put you in jail, eh? Well, let me tell you a story. Yeah, I was always nervous about that. That actually happened at an ADCC event back in the day. I'm trying to think. There was a guy that was, uh, back when they used to do it in Abu Dhabi, there was a guy that faced off against a Brazilian guy. I can't remember his name. It was either, it might have been Pablo Popovich, but. They ended up, they were clubbing each other. And you know how sometimes it turns into, like, they're, like, starting to fight. But after the match, they just put the guy in prison for the night. Really? And I was like, fuck, I want those privileges, hey!" Jesus Christ. I would have stayed in Jiu-Jitsu for those privileges. When you would come out around Purple Belt, because, I mean, I didn't even take the gear full-time until Black Belt, like... No one cared about no gi really at all. Like ADCC was still special, but it was just once every two years, but no
2: one. Special, but there was like 20 people that would turn up to ADCC and mostly yeah. UFC fighters or other wrestlers. Yeah, there was no
0: like uh, – the, the prospects of having a professional career in the gi, let alone jiu-jitsu at all, was pretty slim to none. It kind of makes – we got lucky because it's like I think back and I think, fuck, I chose a career path where at the time it didn't exist. Like, yeah, yeah, like you just you're like, an idiot, yeah. That's you just like, got lucky. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> all you were. Luck. <laughs> you're a stupid, motherfucker, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you, I remember the time you were sponsored by Sub Power, you had a good deal. I remember one time yeah. I was like, yeah, you probably influenced my career choice, right? Because I remember one time my mum used her like frequent flyer points to buy me a flight to some tournament. I remember she <laughs> said that <laughs> she accidentally. <sighs> bought me business class and you had gone to the same tournament. i walked into like the virgin lounge or whatever and i saw you in the lounge and i was like oh fuck these jiu-jitsu
2: guys one. must freak be getting
0: one. taken care of oh hey.
2: really? yeah yeah <laughs> shit <laughs> there was i was yeah so some apparel sponsored us and uh he had some cash, eh? They had some cash, okay. Not through legal means. Yes, there was a lot of, and I, I couldn't believe. It. I'm thinking, like, how does he have this, this kind of money? They were flying this like diamond class to uh, to Abu Dhabi, and I mean, those tickets were like ten thousand dollars. Like, they were all rolling on there. They had a bar on the fr- on, on the plane. That, that were great, and uh, and then suddenly he disappeared for a little while on a concrete ground. So we we lost that sponsorship, but that was good. Cool. We had me, we had Bruno Alves at the time. Antonio Carlos Jr. uh Carlos kind of shoe face. Fuck he he had
0: a wild career. Hey, he was like a jiu-jitsu legend. He struggled a bit in the UFC, but then he ended up winning the million dollar tournament, PFL or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And he I remember he flying
2: triangled Gary Turner. Yeah. He's dude. I'm telling you like when people ask me who the most talented person was, I always say he was up there for sure. He'd barely ever train. He would come and he'd be like, no, man, we just, you know, do a couple of rounds, almost like what we did today, you know, and do like twice a week. But like, if he had if he had set his mind to something, he was going to be amazing. But the, the thing I really liked about him was he was the nicest person. If he blows up, which he blew up. Now he's like got a huge profile because he, he won PF, PFL. And then he went into like a big brother in Brazil. Oh, really? And he won the big brother, I think it was. And like oh, his so. profile, now he's got like millions of followers on Instagram, oh, but Jesus. he's still the same dude. Like if, if he sees you, like he's like, come hey, come and hug and like Shoeface is yeah, his nickname, right? Yeah. He lived with me one time in Australia. We nearly, I I one time I took him to uh St Kilda and then I went and did some stuff and I come back and there's this homeless Aboriginal guy chasing him. And I'm like, what, what? I'm like, what's going on here? And the guy was drunk and he's like trying to fight Antonio Jr. And I just said, I said, bro, this guy's gonna kill you. Like, just go away, like, leave him alone. Like and Shoeface, he said to me one time, we we're in a park, and he goes, he goes, hey, kid, uh, what, what's the worst word in English yeah, with worse English than that? And I said, cunt. And he just he just screamed it. like, silly. He goes, cunt. And I was like, fuck, bro, what are you doing, man? <laughs> like in front of like everyone's families and shit. Yeah, he was fun. He was, he was, he was one of the most talented guys. So we, we were very lucky to get sponsored by them. Um, but you're, you're right. Like at that stage... I mean, jiu was gi pretty much. I didn't really do – I did like one session of no gi a week before that. Yeah, it felt like a waste of time. Everyone would train once a week in no gi. Literally, the only – to be honest, the only reason I trained started training train no gi is because you and fucking Lachlan wouldn't put the gi on because you were doing ADCC. Yeah, we were like, fuck it, we're taking it off. Eh? Literally, and that's the – but then now I don't ever want to put the gi back on. I don't like the gi anymore. You're yeah. the same, right? Yeah, I don't – first of all, I just hated
0: fucking traveling with a thing or washing it and shit. It was such a nightmare. No gi is just so much easier. I went into nogi because I think the only thing I ever meddled in the gi was world pro as a brown belt. So I was like, "Fucking, it was fucking hard to win." Mm-hmm. So I was like, "There's less people doing nogi. There's got to be more opportunities there." Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I just and then EBI started, and we, that's what we went down that path. Do You still think there's less people doing nogi? Oh, I think there's. I think there's probably still more competitors do, and more regular folk training gi. But nogi just seems a bit cooler, to be honest. It's hard. It was. I remember it would be hard to show a friend, or even like show a girl. You'd be like, they'd be like, "What do you do?" And you show them picture you in a kimono. Like, that's <laughs> just like <laughs> you don't you know. You didn't get action. Yeah, you don't know what they're thinking when they look at that. But in terms, yeah, nogi's a bit more, a bit. I don't know. Something about it's just a bit more interesting.
2: This is my my thought, and the reason why I really fell in love with it, other than the fact that you can travel without having to fucking carry a gi is I feel like it's a much more advanced version of jiu-jitsu. I think people have the misconception that gi is more complex because there's more possibilities because you can make grips almost everywhere. But I mean, the ability to make grips is so simple. It's like you can just grip. The ability to control someone no gi is fundamentally much more difficult and you have to have a much greater skill set and uh and control to be able to control someone in nogi you know anyone can go in there and just be like athletic and strong and, and wear people down with underhooks and overhooks but be able to control the hands wrists neck and everything uh which i feel like you were one of the one of the first people to go through and start really finessing nogi and that's why i love it because i feel like it has far more top end uh like a, a skill roof if that makes sense uh, it's, it's far higher than what gi is you can get more positions in the gi because of the handles but i feel it's much more basic it's more like bowling with bumpers that's the way i look at gi compared to no gi i I even think the same way
0: when you go in towards mma grappling like it's it's mma grappling is simpler because there's less options but when there's less options you have to be better at it Mm -hmm. i like the idea of mma i don't like the idea of getting punched in the face but i like the idea of that there's only one range and that's we're together you know what i mean there's no open guard There's no point. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like eliminating Mm -hmm. that aspect. So it's just a big scramble and submissions and pins. Mm -hmm. So when I try, I'll actually prefer training with MMA guys, guys that aren't just going to play that loose style game. Like we're making contact the entire time. Basically they're trying to, like say we were wrestling. I'm always trying to get up. You're always trying to hold me down. Yeah. Yeah. I find that one of the most fun aspects of training these days. And then like doing weird reversals out of there. Are you training with them with gloves or without gloves? Without, without, when I work with Volks, without, Izzy, without, um, but yeah, like uh, the gloves do change a bit. See, hand fighting for chokes and stuff, it's a bit easier, especially you can do it. You can be a, you can mm-hmm. cheat, sneak, sneak your fingers in there and stuff. But yeah, those, a train of MMA guys as well makes you realize, like, fuck, thank God there wasn't more money in jujitsu because I probably wouldn't have made it to the top. Those MMA guys are savages.
1: My bookie, ad read over in Abu Dhabi we will get this done. It is 6 a.m., Volk's is cutting away, I'm getting this done. When your money's on the line, choose a trusted sportsbook that gives you tools to win, like my bookie, Volkanovski versus Makachev. Obviously Volkanovski's gonna win this, disproving Sambo, I'm thinking. Second, third round, TKO's, it's gonna be a much different fight than that first fight. I think a lot more pressure from Volkanovski early. He's not gonna respect Makachev, as much as he did in that previous fight. There's gonna be a finish in this fight, I guarantee it. Hemzat Chumaya Kamaru Usman. Man, this one's interesting. I was leaning towards Usman until we were at the open workout and he injured his knee. I swear to God, that knee is injured. You just know the reaction. It's happened to us all in training. So the extent to which it's injured, or the extent to which things like this typically happen with Usman, I don't know. So now I'm leaning towards Shumayev because he's bigger, healthier, younger. I think uh, he's going to get the decision. Go to mybookie.ag. Use promo code BTEAM on your first deposit and mybookie will give you up to $200 cash bonus. That's promo code BTEAM to claim your own cash bonus. So click the link in the description and place your bets. Let me know your picks in the comments and start winning. If you want a sports book that gives you the most for your money, bet. On UFC with my bookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie.
0: Better athletes. Um it's so much more scary, dude, going into a
2: cage. Yeah, they're, they're cra- like, to like, look at what they do is crazy. Like Rob Whittaker breaking his hand and still fighting. Dude, if I break a nail, I'm pulling out. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm out for a while. That, yeah, that's
0: your that's way. I don't have any desire to persevere through anything mid-match. You know what I mean? Things start going bad. Like you were talking about Philippe Penny. Like, bro, you're three points down. Give it up. That's me pretty early in the match.
2: Sure, if I hear it's raining outside, I'm done. <laughs> I said, uh, "I'm just fucking depressing me, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, or well, there's
0: traffic, I won't make it to training eh?
2: <laughs> How often do you train like now on average? So when the
0: Join B team opened, I was trying to lead by example and do 8 a.m. and 12 p.m. every day, every round. So it would be like morning, it would be 6.6s six in the mornings and probably 6.8s or 6.10s at lunch. And then that was just unsustainable. Mm. Like I'd be sick every month. Nowadays, I'm doing – like you, you brought out the instruction on task-based learning. So, like, these days I try to do a bit more of what the MMA guys do. So, like, leading up to ADCC trials for the guys back home, we were doing a lot of three-minute rounds, right? So, you group of three, you're in for six, out for three, fresh mm-hmm. guy every three. Or we do sparring, what was like uh, – dub- like, you double a guy to the hip. The second the guy's hip hits the ground, we go – like, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. not so much positional sparring. Like, say for example, we do positional sparring, and you start mount on me without any underhook. I don't like that style of positional sparring anymore because how often does that happen? Yeah. Or turtle, where you don't say I'm in turtle and you don't have any grips. I feel like these things don't happen. What's re, What's realistic is you double like me, put me to a hip. I turtle. You've already got some grips. Yeah. So we might as well start from the hip and say yeah. for mount. If you pass me to mount, good chance you have an underhook and a crossface and I have a quarter guard or something. Yeah. So it's like, I'd rather start back one step because you feel like you lose something like mount without already some tension or turtle without, I'm like trying to pull you back down. You're trying to roll away. Like you lose that aspects mm-hmm. when you just do these static positional outs yeah
2: and that's the criticism people always sort of say without knowing especially with the product i brought out like a couple of people have like message and they've never watched my stuff but they'll just say yeah we've done positional sparring because so yeah, it's not the same thing as like specific training where you would start we did a lot of that when we first started like i'm playing guard you're passing and we just go from there which i think it's fun and i think it helps you know because and passing is a big part of jiu-jitsu but i think that the missing link is the the smaller things and the smaller transitions that that happen that are super important amongst that. For example, if I'm passing and you're playing Z guard, like a a big part might be trying to kill the knee shield and get, you know, to half guard or something like that. Or when you're in half guard, trying to get chest to chest or something like that, which is a huge little, like a a little sub game inside. And a a couple games that I sort of did, and I I almost do it backwards as well, because let's say for wrestling, for example, most people when it comes to wrestling, don't even want to wrestle or or do takedowns because they're jujitsu guys. And one, they're like, they're scared of getting hurt. Okay. Two, they don't even want to shoot because they don't even have the confidence that they think, well, even if I get their leg, he's just going to sprawl on me, I'm going to get hurt. So, what I get like beginners especially to do is I get them to start on a single leg with like a, with a, like with a gable grip on the single leg, and I'll get them to start there and just try and finish and try and finish and try and finish while the guy on top is just defending. And then what happens, they get so good at understanding how to finish and they get such confidence that they are far more incentivized to actually get the single leg. So, they'll yeah. actually be you know, creative in a way Knowing well, once I get that single leg, it's done. Like, I'm going to finish that, you know, uh, rather than what most people do is they take more of a linear approach, whereas it's, you know, I'm going to shoot through here just like that, grab the leg, and then I'm going to switch here. And as you know, like, it never happens like that in a match. There's so much, like, scrambling, fighting amongst all of these different positions. So a big part of, of bringing out the games was to try and create, you know, games that, one, limit limit the amount of variables – because as you know, you go into judo, it can be unbelievably overwhelming. There's so many different things. I try and limit that into maybe one problem they can solve, and it might be very, you know, very small. It could be just trying to, uh, you know, get an underhook from half guard and just do that as a beginner or something like that. And then as they get better, we start trying to like introduce more variables. And now the person underneath is not only trying to get an underhook, he's also trying to, you know, uh, get his knee shield back in, or he's trying to switch, and you just add more and more and I try and get people experience in the smaller areas that are one super important but that you don't get much time to practice you know let's say I'm wrestling with you and I shoot on you and you sprawl me and guillotine me which is happens a lot (laughs) (laughs) then like i I don't really get a chance to sort of figure out it might happen once or twice then i don't see you for another year i don't get a chance especially if that happens you will not see me yeah (laughs) 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 and i don't get a chance to figure it out so then by the time you come back in a year's time now i'm like i get my second opportunity does the same shit and disappears again but i when you do it over and over again you're getting instant feedback on what's working and what's not working which it and if I take like a backseat look at your career, and one thing that I felt like you were doing really well, and I, I said this earlier when we we're training, is I would always turn up to training, and you and Lachlan would be making out. But after you guys <laughs> made out, you guys would be practicing, and it wasn't you weren't drilling techniques. You were looking at positions, and you were experimenting and playing with it. And you would ask me, you know, like, what do you think of, what do you think of this thing here? And you would just look at it more like a scientist looks at things, and doing like case studies on it. I think that was a, a, a huge reason that you developed the way you did because you don't look like it. And the, the thing that's really difficult about you is you don't move or think like a regular grappler does. Most grapplers are just carbon copies of somebody else. They're like little Marcelo Garcia's or something like Nowadays, that. Nowadays,
0: like they
2: just listen to Dan Herro Gordon and it's like... Mimic exactly. That, yeah. And you can just say, and you know, because you roll with the better ones and you can just say, well, I know exactly what to do against this person. They're very easy to put in a box. But you... And I think of myself, we're very difficult. I don't think anyone can ever really train for that because we're always figuring things out. We're always doing new things. And we take a a very much a problem-solving approach to coming up with solutions. I mean, look at your uh, squid guard, octopus guard. Octopus, yeah, the reach around. The reach around. I mean, absolute shit junk that works. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, but it's so like... You wouldn't come up with that without doing some serious weird shit. Yeah, some weird sparring. Hey, it's funny you say that because hey,
0: like often 2015 2016 like I'd come into the gym having watched some competition footage online and I would try to show Lachlan but sometimes Lachlan Lachlan's approach would always be he's very like uh, he would shut something down without even looking at it but then go back to it. Well, oh, yeah. Like yeah. I I still remember Eddie Cummings winning EBI and I was I was drilling the elevation uh, cross Archie entry from Butterfly Garden. I was drilling it, and Lachlan's like, junk, junk <laughs> wouldn't work. And then I remember he his opinion of Gordon and shit at the time, I would tell him back then, I was like, yo, I think what these guys are doing is pretty good. But his instinctual reaction was like, nah, those guys sucked. I never beat anyone, A, eh? And it was like a, it was a funny, over time, how things progressed that when he was sh- showing those guys the way they were doing heel hooks first, disregarded it. Uh-huh. But then obviously, he innovated off it, made his career off it, and now just uh, has retired and ridden off into the sunset.
2: <laughs> I remember Lachlan. I used to talk about concepts all the time. He was like a very heavy driller. And, like, you know, I was very anti-drill. And it wasn't because I didn't like drilling. I actually thought when I first started jiu I thought drilling was a better way to learn. I just didn't have the fucking the temperament to do it. ADHD, I thought bored, yeah. Exactly. And I was bored about it. Plus, I actually wanted to figure things out myself. I actually liked the part of jiu-jitsu was like the problem-solving part was the part I enjoyed. So if you told me exactly how to do something, I felt like, oh, I feel like I'm cheating myself. Uh, where he was the complete opposite. When I met him, I was – it was my first tournament at White Belt. I was five months in and there was a brown belt competing and he was really good. And then someone said to me, like, but that guy there, he's a re- like a, one of the top brown belts in the country and it was Lachlan Giles. And he was walking around with his big-ass smile. Like, hey, get, hey, hey. He get." teeth everywhere.
0: Funny that he actually has the Raptor logo because of
2: the size of his mouth. Bro, it goes back here. <laughs> I think he's got 14 extra teeth. He could be the Jack's Joker, hey. <laughs> but he, like, Lachlan, Lachlan is the nicest guy You're ever going to find possibly autistic, a little bit weird, but the (laughs) nicest guy. Um, But he was, yeah, he was heavy into drilling. So we would always like have a clash about, and there's a friendly clash of discussion, but he was the same. He was always like, no, I think, I think, uh, I think Cabrinha's got it, you know, and, uh, and then one time I'm in his class, and I hear and he's teaching and then he starts talking about concepts and I and Mikhail looked at me, he's like, look at that. I'm like this motherfucker here, (laughs) what the hell? Um, but I feel like, you know, I feel like he definitely evolved a lot with, with his teaching. I don't, I've never seen what he's doing with sub meta. And I I think, I think when it comes to technical application of techniques, he's a miles ahead of, of most people. So I think he's great like that. Uh, But my honest opinion is it's not the best way to learn. But if you want to learn the technique route, I think he's one of the best people to do it with. I don't think that's the best way to learn. I think the best way to learn is allowing people to problem solve, creating small task-based games where you limit uh, the million amount of variables and allow them to become really good problem solvers because then what they're going to be able to do is actually come up with their own solutions, which is what me and you do a lot with our rolling. Uh, And I think the only difference... And I think the only reason I've actually been able to compete or even hold my own with, with other professional grapplers is because most people are approaching jiu-jitsu the wrong way. They're thinking progression of jiu-jitsu is the accumulation of techniques rather than the acquisition of skill and knowledge. If everyone trained the way I, I'm, I'm talking and like use task-based games, I swear to God, I 100%, I would not be able to compete with anybody. Cause I'm there training two times a week, most of the time. <laughs> and then like, I'll get like other, you know, top level guys come in and train with me. And I would just so bamboozled. They'd be the first is like, why aren't you not competing? i like, I'm just not that interested in it right now. Um, and then I'll be, you know, how the fuck are you doing? it or doing But like, I just, I, it's the process that I think is, is super important. And I was just, I was very lucky that I stumbled upon it. And it was only just like I said, because I've got ADD and ADHD. And I just – I don't have the temperament to sit there listening to it. But I think if everyone learnt like that or trained like that, the sport would evolve so much further than what it already is. Well, that's why I don't like – sometimes people ask – students ask me a question, people ask me a
0: question in a seminar, and I might make a joke out of it, them or not answer it. And they might just think, oh, he's being a dick. But really it's like, hey, you like you can figure that out. If I tell you right now, you're going to forget it. Mm-hmm. Like – I don't have any, like, like, jujitsu is full of fucking dumb weirdos. You know, like, it's <laughs> like, if we can figure it out, you can figure it out. So it's like, if they come to the conclusion on their own, that's going to last with them a lot longer. Cause if you figure out a solution, you're going to have an emotional attachment to it because you've overcome a problem. But if every time you have an issue, you just ask your coach a question, you're never going to remember all that. No. It's just going to in one ear out
2: the other. People people don't realize what learning really is. Learning is a survival mechanism. Humans were have evolved to do two things primarily: survive and procreate. And learning is a survival tool. So the amygdala decides how deep to store information. Okay, it decides whether you need to remember something for ten minutes or for the rest of your life. And if you think of any kind of like emotional state that you've been in, like you know you've been attacked by someone. Or something happened, 9-11 or something like that. Most people can remember a lot of information from that moment. But the amount of times you've been taught a technique or something like that and you're just sitting there watching it and drilling it and you just forget it like a week later, happens all the time. People people just think, oh, I just struggle. I need to drill it more and stuff like that. It's like, no, you need to add emotional context to whatever it is you're learning. Like And that's what you're saying. If you discover something through rolling and you're excited and nervous, your coach is watching and you figure something out, It feels fucking good and you're excited and that amygdala is emotionally aroused and tells you that hey we needed this to survive it thinks that half the time it thinks you're being attacked and it thinks well we're getting attacked by now by this grappler so we need to learn as much as we can from this situation so that we can survive it and evolve to deal with that in the future and that's really what learning is so if you think about like the best ways to learn as you're saying it's getting people to experience things and discover it themselves. Like I can tell a, a kid don't touch a fire, but that kid that's put his hand in the fire, is going to remember that for the rest of his life. Well, DJ drinking your drink. <laughs>
0: that's
2: uh, that's going to be with him a long time. Sting, DJ, I'm sorry, bro. i I wanted to tell you i really did but it was too late i'm happy about it to me (laughs) you made craig happy
0: we did a good thing my best memory of you and i'm surprised you don't either a send it to him every day or b share it every day is there's competition footage maybe we can put this in where lachlan giles is doing a toehold on you and you're like oh, yawning yeah. and looking around, which <laughs> oh, is just is aged
2: well considering he made a career off like. What? Yeah, I think I did post it after he was like after he blew up at ADCC. <laughs> I thought I posted it. Um, yeah, there was a time where like he was always in the tournaments, and the thing is, Lachlan's good, right? And back then, I mean, Lachlan's really good now, but back then he was good, and. But because of the way I approached Jutsu so as more of a uh, problem solver and uh, a strategist, and he was much more of a specialist, it was so – and I, I know you had the same thing. We kind of knew his game so well. So we could almost – we could let him do a lot of stuff and just be sitting there like, okay, you're going gonna to finish that toehold now because we knew him so well. I couldn't do that now. He would take my foot probably off. But back then I could. So there was a, there was a match where, yeah, he's, he's trying to attack me. And it, it was a lot of that. Like Lachlan was one of my easier roles at the time, not because – I was much better than it. It's just I knew exactly what he was going to do and it was very hard for him to predict what I was going to do. And that's why like a lot of time people would always ask, you know, like him questions and he would always put me and you in a similar category. would be like, ah, they'd say, but Kit and Craig do that. And they'd be like, yeah, yeah, that's Kit and Craig, you know. But really there was a process of problem solving that we kind of knew and understood that that sequence or technique or, you know, position quite well at the time where i feel like i said he's advanced now and i I think he deserves a lot of the credit that that he uh that he has i think he had the luckiest run of anyone (laughs) in adcc okay i'm not going to deny that i think he had three very good big guys that most likely took him lightly and he capitalized on that really well and broke it um but in saying that he has improved uh tremendously which is a massive credit to him because it's something that I never had. Because I was always like, if I'm motivated in something, I would do really well. But the reason why, the reasons that stopped my growth in a lot of areas is I got bored of things. I got bored of judits, and I would I'd take off and I would come back after two years. And you I'd got take bored off. of women? Uh, the ones without pins. <laughs> <laughs> I loved, back when I would train
0: with Lachlan, like back in 2016, 2017, I always thought Lachlan was like a computer. And I could, like, jam the system. So I would just say things to him. Like, I remember one day I came in. Put little viruses and, in him. Yeah, and he would say – he was he was on about Shin on guard, And I was like, doesn't work. And it sat with him for over a month. He'd come back to me week after week with a different, like, reason why it should work. And I remember at the end of it, I was just like, bro, you know I'm just fucking joking. <laughs> <laughs> like, just fucking evil shit, eh? But, yeah, I reckon me and him would roll all the time. But I reckon I would just – my goal in jujitsu has always been to frustrate someone to the point that they're out of their game, like just
2: to annoy them. Yeah, I think you reached that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. You have like one of the most frustrating uh, styles. There is, <laughs> Like, you know, and it's it's annoying, especially annoying for me because I don't get a chance to really work and, and figure you out a lot of the time. I get like you come in every like couple of years. Just sneak us And do shit that I'm just like.
0: That's why I do better. Like say for example, our B team, right? Like if I'm there all the time. If I'm just there all the time, like regularly, guys will start to figure out the weird shit I do and do better than me. But then when I'm traveling and I might not even be training, I might be partying, like just living it up, I'll go back. And they're confident they're going to fuck me up because they're like, fuck, I've been training hard. Mm -hmm. The Mm -hmm. second he comes in, I'm going to rip his head off. Mm -hmm. But then they haven't dealt with me just doing annoying weird shit and I get him again and it just fucking is this negative feedback loop where well, they get so angry and that's that's really the only thing that keeps me in the game you know the second they start beating me i won't allow i'll just stop training and rob them just quit. like yeah. joseph chen within one year he's going to be beating me and that might be my call for retirement because i've done so many horrible things to him <laughs> i've tapped him with body locks. i've strangled him i've suffocated him and you you adopted him right so yeah, no one else would. Yeah, I was yeah. I mean, I'm not It wasn't cheap, but yeah, when he gets revenge, I'm gonna be scared for my life.
2: See, what? Why is he getting so good so quick? I
0: mean, he's a bit like a Lachlan Giles in a sense that he's a computer as well. But like, he's over. He's only been training four years, maybe now, and he's just illegally acquired every instructional you could ever illegally acquire. <laughs> he studied them religiously but then not just studied them but then taking the practical application too to truly try to figure it out for himself and he really kind of shot up three weeks ago when i released my new product right? oh yeah yeah yeah. he credits his entire success he credits his 80cc trials victory which he did before your product to your product
2: dude i mean yeah he. He just, like he was seeing a psychic, <laughs> and the psychic was telling him what I was about to release. That's funny because I told him to see a psychologist, not a psychic. But <laughs> I must have written
0: the message short. He needs it after me. No, actually, we just saw him. over in Bali with him. Um, but yeah, he was he was a monster out there. He really trains all the time. I guess he's. Like, I was like that when I was younger. I was like, I cannot miss a session. Now I'm like always thinking, I could probably miss this one. Mm. Sometimes you show up to the gym and like if your favorite training partner not there. I'll be like, is it worth me taking a shower? You know what I mean? I look at it and I'm like, do I want to get sweaty and have to take a shower to, mm-hmm. to do this? You lo- yeah, you lose a bit of the, the job. I just want to show up, have a bit of a scrap, and then go about my day. Yeah, like, I, like, like what we did today. Yeah, we rolled for three minutes and said, you know what, we better call uh, it a day. It was
2: probably too much. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we couldn't finish the 30 seconds. Oh, but I training. I've turned up the training many times with my bag, and I sit down, and I look at who's there, and I'm just like, no nah. i literally <laughs>
0: left i swear to god you should have done the day that the day you got your leg broken
2: oh dude that day was the worst oh which one the 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 one that recently right? yeah 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 so i turned up the training and usually i'll turn up the training and i'm going to record the training because i'm hoping to get something that i can put on my my some highlight on my instagram oh you got it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i got a bad one and then and he was there and i he's so like he was the uh 100 kilogram 2005 freestyle world champion from russia
0: that's another uh, word for pulling guard hey
2: yes yes <laughs> and he uh he was like uh i, I didn't want to train with anyone i didn't even i decided to bring my camera this time i'm like i'm just going to train and just go sloth. i was tired and then he was there and i was like fuck there's no one else here because he's big he's like 300 pounds now and uh I like, there's no one else here that i really trust him rolling because i think he's going to hurt somebody so i thought i wrestled with him the week before and i out wrestled him and he twice he like he took a break twice in the in the five minute round like he was exhausted and then i bumped his head and he was oh i was like oh man this guy so he came in and and this time he wanted revenge so he went hard ah, for the first two minutes and like we hit the brick wall and then he pulled me in and i'm thinking like you know usually we if you touch a brick wall you come in and tap each other and you start again as i'm walking in he snaps me down and you can probably put this in into this snaps me down and then I'm defending like the snap down, and then my, my legs are quite wide, and he goes for that throw. I don't know what it's called, but it's a throw that I know Danaher made it illegal, and a few other play, places oh, made it illegal. He it the knee. Yeah, and just fucking destroyed my knee. I, he didn't mean to. It's just a lot of people were like hating on him. He's just, he's like a big, friendly dog. You know, like those big dogs that just run in and bowl you over, you know, the ones you give peanut butter to and shit. <laughs> one of those. So, you know, he, he did that. Um, but I can't even remember what the fuck the, the point of that conversation was
0: yeah that's a yeah I mean speaking of injuries hey like I think part of my success is I've touched wood luckily been able to dodge most bad injuries I injured my shoulder bad one time but for the most part been able to have my entire career I feel like some people overtrain so hard or they don't tap the things in competition that they end up off the mat so long some guys just one guy, Lachlan Warren, I came up with and we were like uh, – he was a good purple belt. I remember him, yeah. But he would just – he was just made of glass, you know. So, it was like no matter how hard – He was like a, he was like a uh, Walmart version of you. Yeah. He, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Big a dick though, but yeah. Um, he really just got injured so much his body couldn't sustain the training. I feel like there's some people out there like that that it's like they just got a, a bad roll of the dice. So, yeah.
2: I feel like I've had like – I feel like I've been on like, what do you call a cooler in poker where in the last, you know, five to six years, I've just had one injury to another. Every now and then I'll be interested, like, especially, like, I'm glad you don't live in LA because if you did, I would be still doing jujitsu a lot because I get excited, and I get motivated. Don't tempt get, me to ruin your life again, I, I Stay away from the bro. <laughs> stay away. And uh, and I just anytime I've like decided, it's usually like after you come, I'm like, yeah, you know what? I want to get back into this. And <laughs> I'm going to get, get, fucking, him next I get time. injured. You know what I mean? And like, I feel like I've had that, but I think you're. I think you're right when you talk about overtraining. You've got to imagine that the brain is trying to absorb a lot of information and when you sleep it needs to like store a lot of information and if, if you kind of treat it a little bit like the way you were doing weights, most people uh, doing weights all day and it's like they're going to like completely just burn their muscle down so much they don't get the time to regrow and I've always approached jujitsu like that. I, I want to do like the bare minimum that I have to do so that I get like the maximum amount of growth uh, Problem is, you're probably not going to be that fit, but it's not too much of a problem with me because I don't compete professionally like that anymore. But uh, I feel like in terms of progression, it's the best way to do it. Plus, you know, I'm 30, I turn 38 soon. You know, it's better for my body like that. If I was to try and push a lot, which I never really did anyway, even when we were training back in the day, I would try and, you know, I would come in. You know, I'd be very lucky if I did five days a week. Um, and that was for most of my most of my career, even when I before I met you, and I was training at Peter De Beans, but I don't think you need to train so much. And I think there's the point that you get diminishing returns, plus you put a you know a massive tax on your body as
0: well. And on your pretty personal life too. These days I'm moving towards, I used to think, oh, I need to do 10 six minute rounds or whatever, six, six minute rounds. But now I'm moving towards thinking like uh say we do these three man groups, you're in for six out for three. Mm-hmm. Eighteen minutes of that, three goes of that is almost like blows your lungs out more than the longer rounds and more occurs in the realm of pin, scramble, submissions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you're not gonna be as perfect in the in-between positions, but in terms of like, and it's actually, it's like a Tabata versus a marathon. It's like it is, it feels better on my body and I feel like I actually try more, train harder. I'm open to, losing more scrambles and taking more risks because you're thinking, oh, like this is a fresh guy after three. I'm already yeah. at a deficit. Yeah. We've got to go for it. Yeah. So I find that training more productive than It these opens it up a little
2: bit. But it also can put more pressure on you in a sense too, that, that'll make you, especially when people are watching you because they usually a third person's out watching you and you don't want to lose. And the same sort of thing, you activate your amygdala and you're going to remember a lot more from those roles. So I feel, I feel like the same thing. If you 18 minutes of that is equivalent to an hour you know, of, of just regular training. Um, yeah, we will
0: do that, and then we'll chat a bit about it afterwards. That third man, because we'll, we'll have a narrative within it, right? So like, if you've already done your three, and the fresh guy comes, we tell that fresh guy, hey, you come in and you fucking kill this yeah, guy. go after him. But then obviously what happens is, now you're tired for the next guy, but we'll do, we'll create that narrative. We'll problem solve a bit after. And if anything, while we're eating lunch, we might watch the security tape footage which the main purpose of that is to humiliate the people you've trained with. But mm-hmm. a bonus is obviously you get, a, you get a study. Yeah, you know, like we pretend like we're doing it for technical, but it's, it's really just to attack each other and brag. The security camera footage is one of the funniest additions to the gym ever. Hey?
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: I, I love that. I sell it. Hey, I, sell, I offer a package if someone comes and visits. I say, hey, for $1,000, you can submit me on the security camera and take it on with you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. I think I don't like to turn up the training without recording anything because any time I feel like I've not recorded, then something really good's happened. And yeah. You know, like that's when i was like, you know, I'm not going to, like even that bad thing with my knee, I didn't record that day. It was his partner that recorded it and I was lucky I got the footage off him, but I would be like, fuck, oh, man. Imagine if he injured you and then was like, no, you can't have the footage. Yeah, dude. I was actually I was surprised. I don't think he. I'm glad that I don't think he has Instagram because if you saw how much hate he, he'd get, <laughs> he'd try to kill me. So he's like the scariest Russian dude. Like for my movies that I get made, I'm gonna for sure cast this dude because he's he's huge. He's like six foot five and just the scariest looking dude on the planet. That's like, a
0: good thing about any any Russian can play a Russian because they don't show any emotion anyway. There's no, no expression say. Yeah, weird. We have we actually. We we're here at PJ Botts' gym, we were all rolling today. The second we started rolling, there were like three cameras came out straight away. Yeah, I saw that. Immediately. Yeah. <laughs> Someone,
2: someone's dick came out as well, as well. Oh,
0: well, I mean, that, <laughs> that was, was mine. Me.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you too. I was, jer- I was jerking off. It's the most uncomfortable fucking part of my ass on this seat. It's getting a good sweat, eh?
0: But fuck, 11.40, we probably gotta head to the airport now. But I'll, actually, given I did all right with you today, it'll probably be two years until I see you again.
2: Look, uh, I think I'm going to come after you this time. I'm going <laughs> to come after you. I'm going to be hiding in the change rooms and just get you in the shower when you're tired. This gets you real good. <laughs> Thank you, bro. Thank us. you, bro.
1: Thank you for listening to the Segundo podcast. Don't forget, Fat Cry Jones.